Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. I am your host, Daniel Botero, and in this podcast, we help college students just like you get internships and job offers from top companies. In this podcast, we explore topics such as networking, interviewing, resume writing, and many other topics that will get you those jobs. Not only do I speak on these topics myself, but I also interview other subject matter experts, including CEOs, university presidents, and Fortune 500 executives. We also interview college students just like you in the hopes that you can relate to their stories and learn from their journey. So if you're a college student looking to get ahead, look no further and welcome to the Mastering College to Career podcast. All right, so before we get started, I want to take a couple of seconds to tell you about the Mastering College to Career Academy. The Academy is a mentoring program that helps college students land the jobs of their dreams before they graduate. In this academy, I will teach you application hacks that will automatically help you beat over 90% of all other job applicants, networking tactics that will give you access to the hidden job market where over 80% of jobs are filled, interview techniques that will practically guarantee you make it through every round of the interviews and win the offer. And I will also connect you with my network of thousands of HR professionals and hiring managers that love hiring my students. So if you're interested in learning more about this program, just send me a message and let's see if the academy is a good fit for you. All right, welcome, 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 welcome back to this episode of the Mastering College to Career podcast. And today we're going to talk about an amazing topic that is relevant to all of us. And I have a super awesome guest for you. We're going to talk about leadership and I have Alex Kuhn with us today and he is the founder of Born to Lead. And I am, I've, I've talked to Alex one time on a Zoom call, but it's probably one of the best Zoom calls I've had. And so it just made sense to have him on the podcast because I've started it was a mutual connection that connected us, and I'm just so excited. So, Alex, man, welcome to the show. How is life in quarantine doing for you? How is life in quarantine treating you? You know, I think we're all going through the same thing. And first off, Daniel, man, thanks for – I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm. And that's – to me, I know that uh, when Emily introduced us, it was she's like, listen, you guys have the same positivity, same vibe, same energy. And that's probably why we connected so well. So I'm really glad to be here. So quarantine life, I mean, I think we all know, like if I was going to be, you know, I don't want to be that fake person and say, oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. And I love it. Listen, I'm an outdoor guy. We just talked about, you know, Spartan racing and I, I miss my Spartan racing. I miss my gym. I miss throwing weights all over the place, but I'm, I'm, enjoy, I'm embracing the fact that I also get a, the time to reevaluate how my business is run and really get a chance to I have a 15 month old son. And because of everything that's happened, we've had to kind of switch how we're watching him because he's staying home all day. So I'm just really embracing the time I get a chance to spend with him and spend with my wife. So overall, I feel like I'm looking at it a half glass full, but no question there. I'm not, I am ready for those gyms to open up sooner than later. Man, Alex, and, and let me ask you a question. Like, how has your day-to-day been different with everything going on other than taking care of your son has much changed do you usually work from home like how, how does you know how has life really changed for you yeah i mean the change has been it's interesting because i think as a result that and i share this because i think it really goes back to mindset and for all of us as leaders 
I think what incredible leaders find is that once something happens, they learn to adapt. And because of that adaptation, they find new and more innovative and better ways ultimately, whether it's to run their business, to run their home, et cetera. And I feel very grateful that, you know, because of everything that's happened, and first and foremost, I hope everybody's families and loved ones are safe and healthy. So if anybody's infected, please know my heart goes out to you. But for me in our life, what's happened is, is that our daycare shut down. There really, we didn't really have a, a sitter or truly somebody that could come over. My, my parents are nearby, but I didn't want to obviously risk anything with them, you know, being as they were a little, little bit in that uh, at-risk category. But what, so what's happened is, is that because my wife is an essential worker, you know, she has to go into work. So instead of me having my typical five, you know, day work week and, you know, picking them up at night. I, I had to take off Mondays and Fridays, you know, he's 15 months old. So really I had to challenge myself and say, can I run this business on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule with, of course, you know, using nights to catch up on a couple messages and emails, et cetera, and still have the same productivity and obviously, you know, really hopefully model a way that's going to demonstrate to other business leaders and leaders themselves that yes, you can adapt and yes, you can succeed and yes, you can show a way for people to stay positive and continue to grow during this time. So that, that's really been the, the basic change that we've had in the business. And gratefully, it's made me understand of how to leverage my time better. It's made me understand how to leverage my team's time better. It's made us understand what's really important, what's not really important. And really, I have seen the adaptation, which is the best part in our clients who have seen this change. And as a result, we've been able to do more deeper dive work in less time. So those are kind of the major changes that I've seen. And as a result, we still continue to maintain and grow in some areas during this time. I love how, like how adaptive you've been and how you, you know, regardless of what was thrown at you, you've been able to change. So we will talk about, I want to talk about that a little bit more, but before we really dive into this leadership and change conversation, uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I mean, I, and you know, Daniel and I, when we had our conversation and we talked a lot about, you know, athletics and backgrounds and passion. And what I love about this show is that, you know, my first career out of college was I was a, a head coach at the collegiate swimming level and uh, worked at colleges such as Sweetbriar College and Occidental College. And I just have a profound appreciation for just education and people continuing to grow themselves, which is what I love about what you're doing, Daniel, here. This is what I love about the show. And that's where I started. Yeah, I've always had a, a difference-making mindset from as young of an age as I can possibly remember. So that's kind of where it started for me and, you know, learning those times and having that early aspects of my career being really in leadership positions, leading men and women that were really the same age as me. At one point, I believe I was actually the youngest coach in the NCAA at that point. I think I was 24 and I was one of the youngest head coaches in the country at that point. So having the ability to be able to lead and mentor men and women that were only a couple years younger than you, right? I mean, that can be a challenge for a lot of people. So really over those course of seven years, you know, turning teams from losing records into national powerhouses, you know, I had a great appreciation for the role of adaptable leadership, of aligned leadership, of really bringing in the right people to the team, but more importantly, aligning yourself with the college's mission, purpose, and core values. After about seven years, I, you know, I loved what I did. I loved everything about it. But the truth was is that I was looking for, one, a new challenge. And two, I knew that I had maximized myself in terms of you know, growing as a swim coach. 
yes, I could have been a lifer and I would have probably appreciated it, but I knew that I had a bigger difference to make. I knew I had some more to offer in this world. So I, I left, I started my own business and, you know, to this day, you know, over the course of seven years, I know it's kind of jumping fast forward, but I started having before, uh, I should say, after three failed businesses in my first three years of one thing failing after another, after another, I realized that what was wrong was not the business model. It wasn't my marketing techniques. It wasn't the, the stuff I was putting out, the products I was building. It was me. It was all me because I was not aligning the leadership that who I was with the business that I wanted to run. And once I did that, starting in 2014, I actually ended up starting and selling two businesses. One was actually a health uh, coaching business. Another was a digital marketing agency. And today now I train leaders all over the world called Born to Lead. And, and we also have another program called The Vault, where we really show leaders that, listen, you can align yourself with your own unique leadership style and build a business around you that works for you so that you can work with amazing, aligned clients that really build you that rewarding, fulfilling, and truthfully wealthy life. That, that's such an amazing story. And you know, as someone that, you know, for me too, like before I started Mastering College to Career, I've had multiple businesses, three officially LLC that like, you know, you declare bankruptcy. But before that, I had like different businesses as a, as a student and as a high school student. And even when I was 10 years old, selling water to people playing soccer. But um, every time I open a business and I, you know, had closed those businesses, I've learned a lot. And you're right. It's always been me. The reason why the business didn't succeed, what, it was me. It was, it was 100% on me. One thing that I think is super important, like you talk about all the time is that we're all born to lead, but what do you, why do you think that is? I, this is in, in the leadership world. I think we've seen these areas of transformation where there was, you know, back in the sixties and seventies before I know both our times, but you know, we saw the people like John F. Kennedy and they were in front of the TV and they were these charismatic, well-spoken you know, handsome individuals that people are saying they're leaders, people just gravitate to they gravitate towards them naturally. Then as we kind of shifted in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, you saw people like Stephen uh, Covey, who wrote books about how it's leadership is not at just an innate ability, but it's a skill that can be learned. And as a result, leadership diverged into many different areas. You know, one of the more popular ones is servant leadership. I think most people know about that. So you know, I've studied this, but more importantly, I have the experience for myself, having experience working with thousands of people. And I've come to this conclusion is this, is that yes, people are born to lead, but people are born to lead differently. And I think once people actually understand how to tap into their own unique leadership, I call it success DNA, that there is, and I truly believe this, I'm not saying this from a scientific space, but I really believe that once people actually are able to tap into their own unique DNA, specifically what actually turns them on and fires them up as leaders that will align instantly with other people, that's when the magic happens. We're not all built to lead the same way. There are some people that are built very differently than others. And this goes beyond just core values and what your purpose is and what your mission is and what your message is. This goes to truly what type of leader are you and are you actually living it, breathing it and working it on a day to day basis? What do you think, you know, there's definitely a big difference between management and leadership, right? But as a college student, I struggle with that. Like, 
thinking that I needed a title of manager to be a leader or, you know, so maybe can you like explain that to, to the audience and understanding like what is the difference between manager and leader and about how the fact that you don't need a title to lead? Yeah, I, you don't need a title to lead. In fact, if you really think about, I mean, that's one of the things I say often time and time again, whether it's, you know, students, and, you know, I do a lot of, you know, outreach to students. And I think there's this concept of, you know, and it's taught in some ways, and I understand it, you know, there's, there's, pre, you know, people are elected as school president, or people are elected as captains, you know, of their teams. And typically, and this goes all the way to, you know, adults, whether we're electing presidents or electing political offices. But there's this idea that we need to put a title on someone for them to actually be a leader, for them to actually take this mantle. But yet time and time again, I bet most of us, if we think about our life, the people that we really respect, and the way that I look at this is like the people that we want to model ourselves after, the people that we say, I just, I, I respect them. I, I appreciate who they are. I, I love their consistency. I love their, what they stand for and they represent. That's how you really dictate of what a leader is all about. People just feel, not think. They don't have to hear a title. They don't have to hear something. They just feel just like the people that are listening to this podcast or the people that you work with, Daniel. I, they go, Daniel just his positivity, his message, he consistently shows up. He consistently, just like before, you just said, I had these businesses that were that you that didn't work. Sharing your vulnerability. That's what people are resonating with you. And you continue to model that way day after day after day. It doesn't matter what your title was. It doesn't matter if there's no title to this show. They see you, they hear you, they feel you, and they ultimately, the word I like to use, they resonate with you. So when we think about the idea of a manager versus a leader, to me, the definition is, is very MBA-ish, but I like to think of people that manage, they are typically managing pros projects, tasks, and efficiency. Meaning managers, typically their core job is to make sure that at the end of the day, that the work gets completed. That if they give somebody a project, that the project gets done. If they say, do this, this gets done and how it gets done. A leader goes into the depths of that person to make sure that yes, the projects get done, but more importantly, that they're feeling fulfilled, that they're feeling alive, that they're feeling motivated, that they wanna stick with the company. Time and time again, you see it with, with HR stats that say people leave companies not because they don't like the work, but because they don't like their boss. They don't like the manager. And yes, the manager may be great at organizing tasks, organizing projects, making sure people are lined up correctly, but where they're failing is in leadership. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. The, the number one reason why people leave their job is, is leadership, right? And, or their managers, not leadership, but their managers. Um, one of the, also one of the number one qualities that companies look, regardless of your major, when hiring someone is leadership skills. So how would you suggest college students listening to this podcast, start developing those leadership qualities? Yeah, I think that the word I love to use is that leadership is an act of volunteering. So often, I think about even my personal growth, and I'll share this for me, but a lot of the leadership positions I had growing up, whether it was for captain, whether it was to, you know, take on responsibilities extra was just somebody saying, I need a volunteer, and me just raising my hand and saying, I'll do it especially for young men and women 
that are continuing to find themselves, they are continuing to grow up. And I say this, by the way, as a 38-year-old father that's continuing to figure out himself. So it's not, a, it's not as if there's this end game. And I think that's always the biggest mistake is that, okay, you'll figure yourself out and you'll figure out your job. No, no, no. This is, this is a lifelong journey. I'm continuing personally myself to grow as a leader. I have a lot of growth to do. I have a lot more to learn and I have a lot more to develop myself. I think that the first step is to consistently, one, volunteer for opportunities where you have the ability to lead. You have the ability to communicate with, your, with people. You have the ability to put yourself both in front of people to share a message, but also behind the people to support that message. I think what happens as a result is that that is an act of courage. And time and time again, I say that really to truly unlock what type of leader you're really meant to be, it's not just this magic thing that happens overnight. You actually have to really instill these three values we see time and time again. One is honesty, honesty with thyself, really bluntly looking at yourself. The second is integrity. And it doesn't mean saying I'm the best at this, but more importantly saying I want to do the best job I possibly can each and every day, whether it's if it's up to snuff or if it's not, I want to continue to get better. And then the third is courage, really taking leaps of faith, really taking steps out of there. To me, at the end of the day, most of us, the motivational speakers that we see as leaders, the people that we constantly look at and say, man, I, I love what they're all about. They're bold. They're brave. It's because they took leaps before they were ready. So anybody that's, you know, really wants to grow into a leadership position, volunteer, step up and take some bold actions. And Alex, like everything you're saying is very interesting to me. And it, it's awesome. Like I, re I, I agree with you 1 million percent. Um, I do have a question about intro intro introverts versus extroverts. You know, we mm -hmm. just assume that extroverts are the best leaders, that they're just born to lead, right? But in my experience, I've actually found some of the best leaders to be introvert. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I don't know that there is a right or wrong, you know, who, wh what's better, but what is your advice for somebody that's introverted listening to this podcast and feels like they might not be able to lead? Like they just don't have, it doesn't come natural to them. Ah, I love this question. And I say this, you know, coming as an extrovert that the leaders that I have always admired, whether they were clients or people that led me, there were many of them that were introverts. And I'll actually give you a story of somebody, one of my first first clients in the leadership world, his name is Jason. And Jason is, is to this day, he's actually one of my really dear friends and just, and he runs an incredible IT business in the Pittsburgh area. But, you know, when he started with me, you know, this is, when we talk about introvert, I think of the first time I, I talked to Jason, I can just remember the idea of actually him having a one-on-one -on -one meeting or more importantly, getting in front of a group of people terrified him. They terrified, it terrified the idea that he would have to speak in front of people, that he had this real high level of shyness to what he was about and what his business was about, but he wanted to lead. And I think that's the first thing with an introvert is that, yeah, it's okay to be scared. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to think that there are aspects of leading that just terrify you, but those aren't all, and really, truly, they are not the important pieces of leadership. Getting in front of an audience, and yes, an extrovert might have it easier to get in front of people and speak and wing words as if they just thought of them out of thin air and just pulled them out of magic. That is a very, very small part of leadership, and one that continuously gets to be overblown time and time again. Who people respect are people that do these three things consistently. They provide clarity meaning they provide clarity on a vision. 
They provide clarity of the direction that they're going. Introverts have a beautiful natural personality to already be introspective and think about these questions naturally. The only challenge for them is just in being able to articulate it, but that's a challenge for any individual. It's not an extrovert or introvert challenge. This is just a person challenge of sharing that message. So the first thing is really clarity. The second thing is really connection. And this is where I think is often missed. We think extroverts have an easier time of connecting, but the reality is they have an easier time of creating introductions and first contacts. What they struggle with, and this is one of my challenges with a lot of extroverts, that introverts can really constantly win time and time again, is that they build deep, intimate connections with people. And that's what they want. Think about your favorite uncle or your favorite friend. They're not, they're, they maybe they're, they're not perfect, I mean, we know this. They're not perfect. They're not, they don't always say the right things all the time, but they are consistent. They consistently show up. They're consistently there. They're consistent, the same person who they are. They are just consistent. And that's what really builds those connections. And then the third thing that I believe at the end of the day, really what people want is they want to see someone with conviction. They want to see somebody who really has, and we're not talking about somebody who is like, you know, Eric, the preacher, Thomas, who gets in front of people and screams and yells and gets people fired up. You know, we're talking about somebody who just says, this is what I want. This is where I think it can go. And I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to ask people to support me. I'm going to share that vision with people, but I'm going to get there regardless of what, I, it doesn't matter if nobody believes in me, I'm going to get there. And again, that's not an extrovert or introvert thing. That is just a person really digging deep into who they are, what they want, and really going after it. That's to me, at time and time again, the, the highest level mentors, the CEOs, the school presidents, the parents, that's who people want to follow. And that's what makes a great leader. Hey, Daniel here. We've just hit the middle of the episode, but before we move on, I want to share the story of Tim, one of the students who recently went through my academy. Hi, I'm Timothy Castaneda, and I just got my dream job offer for my future career. I actually start Monday, and that is all thanks to Daniel and the Mastery College to Career program. Um, I had been looking for a new career for the last five months, for the first four months of that college, of that career search. I had not been with Daniel or the Master in College to Career program. I had been doing it myself, and I gotta tell you, I had no success. I got 10 no's from 10 different companies, and at my lowest point, I reached out to Daniel because I had seen stuff about him, I had seen stuff about the Master in College to Career program on LinkedIn, and he actually got back to me that very same day, and we had a 15-minute conversation that changed my life. I decided to sign up for that program, and I gotta tell you, it was the best professional decision ever. It led to me getting this job offer for three reasons. The first, I, the course itself is so intuitive. It is step by step, literally everything you would need to make yourself the best candidate, not only for this career search, but anytime down in the future and make yourself the top candidate for any career that you dream in being. Daniel will help you get there. Two, you can actually have some one-on-one -on -one time with Daniel. He actually cares. He knew me by name, he remembered some of the things that we spoke about, he remembered the profession that I was looking at when I met up with him again, um, and it really made me feel like he actually cared about my success, and that made me believe in myself after getting those 10 straight notes. And the third reason is the, the cost of the course itself, you are going to get a huge return on investment. 
It is literally less than the cost of a college credit, and you get a 30-day money-back guarantee that Daniel himself promises. And I can tell you, within those 30 days of me signing up, I had had three job offers from four different companies, two of which were in the top 10 list of what I was looking for. And that is, again, all thanks to Daniel and the Mastering College to Career course. Best decision of my life. Go look at the website. Reach out to Daniel LinkedIn. I promise you, you won't regret it. If you want me to help you reach your career goals, just contact me. And now, let's get back to the rest of the show. You no, know, one of my favorite words right now is like empathy. Would you consider like connection being interchangeable with empathy or is empathy a whole nother quality? I think that empathy is a, it's separate, but it's part of the, it's a tool used to build connection. So the way I look at that is like, you could say that to build connection, you could use storytelling as a way to connect with people. I could share my story. There might be people listening here or students or, you know, administrators that says, you know, oh, I build a business like that, or I want to build a business like that, or I want to get down that road. They connect because of the story. I could empathize as a result of say, listening to example for you and you can tell me something. And instead of me saying, Oh, I've been there. Or, oh, well, let me tell you about my situation. I can ask questions to really try to fully understand it. So I can step into your world as close as I can. And I think that's again, what I think introverts do way better, way better time and time again, they are really constantly and consistently asking questions. I would say in my, my relationship with my amazing wife, I am the high extrovert. She's the incredible introvert and you know, she works in physical therapy. And so what does she do better than most physical therapists? In my opinion is that she asks questions. She really has a curious and wants to step into their world as much as possible. So she can provide the right treatment, the right guidance and the right communication necessary for them to heal. So I think at the end of the day, I think that's a tool to help you build those deep connections. Makes, makes a lot of sense. So I have a question from my ghost of a co-host. So I have our mutual friend connection, Emily. Um, I asked her, I was like, what would be one question that my audience needs to hear from Alex? And this is what she said, right? Ask them about the pressure to have a traditional career path when you know deep down that it wasn't for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. And uh, shout out to Emily and her uh, Mothers of Misfits podcast. I was just on there. So I know where this question is coming from. You know, Emily and I can share this that, you know, we were born to be different. And I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, oh, you're, you're meant to be different. You're special. You're unique. And believe me, it's the same message I have. But I do believe that there are certain people that just are they have, you know, you can call it a gut instinct, you can call it following your heart, but there is something about the norm that just doesn't fit with what they feel is the right way to do things versus the wrong way to do things. I think, and I understand this from an organizational level, that there needs to be structure, there needs to be organization, that there needs to be a path that shows people how to actually, you know, graduate from high school, graduate from college, get a job, do those things. But there is this place in this world, right, that, you know, for people like you, myself, Emily, that we have this just vibe, this feeling of, I'm meant to do something different. I'm meant to do something special. No, 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 this doesn't fit well with me. And while I think there's a lot of people that may 
feel it, they just don't feel that need to do it. They, or they don't hear that same calling for themselves. That voice, that just message, that just vibe in me has always been the same. And the story I shared on Emily's podcast was that I was very fortunate to have parents that never told me, you have to do this, you have to go get a job, you have to go to school, you have to get this major, you have to go down this route. I had parents who, when I was 11 years old, I told them I was going to be an Olympic swimmer and I was going to do everything I can to make it happen. And my parents probably at the time said, sure, Alex, we'll send you the swim team or we'll take you to extra practices. Oh, no. I wrote the top swim coach in the country that was, you know, millions of miles away and was not affordable. I would write to him every day. They would send me away every summer. I moved. I literally left my high school to go train with a specific swimming program. I had parents who said, he's creating his own journey. He's creating his own path. He is someone who is not going to just follow what the road has already been built, but figure out what path he's going to create in the woods. And that's who I've always been. And I look at students and I look at, you know, individuals out there that I, I see that struggle with this. They struggle with this idea of how do they listen to themselves when the world is telling them to do something different? And it's not easy. And so my heart, my, my, my mind goes out to you and says this more than anything, that if you have this real voice. There's something that's really pulling you. In fact, you feel anger, you feel frustration, you feel depression because something doesn't feel right. There is an aspect of you that you deserve to go figure out what is not feeling right and go down that path. Just like, you know, like we talked about this, you know, beforehand, like I, my first business was six years old when I sold the cucumbers on the side of the road, right? There was just a calling to do this. So if I stayed in the traditional job, it probably would have killed me in the long run, truthfully. So thankfully that I had parents who enabled me to have that opportunity, to just really explore my own path and go down that route. And I hope anybody that's listened to us feels that same enabling and that motivation to really do the same because there's people that are going to support you along that way. Trust me. That's amazing. And the last question from Emily is, what advice do you have for, for, type of, for highly successful people? For highly successful people? What advice? Yeah. I think that the funny thing or what, is- what, Sorry, I, I, think what I'm, I think I read it wrong. I apologize. <laughs> what, I, you work with a lot of successful people, right? Mm-hmm. And what, what do you think is some advice that you can give us, the students, you know, listening to you from someone who's worked with hundreds of top performers, Olympic, Olympic athletes, CEOs, like executives, what are some advice that all these people have in common that we can start working on to, you know, get there in one day? Yeah. I, yeah. It's a great question. And you know, you could think this it could be a huge answer, right? I mean, this could be a book, it could be a movie, right. That, you know, talking about this. And the fact is, is that there's been a lot written about it. I'll say this, I'm going to talk about just patterns I've noticed. And this has been working with Olympic athletes. This has been working with professional athletes. It's been working with fortune 500 CEOs. This has been working with Ivy league students. This has been working with, you know, the best. So instead of me saying, here's the advice, here's the patterns I've seen time and time again, and I'm going to create a definition for success is a little different. Meaning that, yes, they've achieved success. They've achieved the highest levels of their profession. But more importantly, they've sustained it, right? Mm -hmm. There's people that consistently hit these amazing marks in their profession, but burn out quickly. 
that to me is not success. In fact, I, I, it breaks my heart because I think that there's one tweak that I'm going to share that I think most successful people are not associated with that I really find time and time about, but it allows them to be sustainable. The first thing that I find time and time again is that I've mentioned this before, they trust their gut. The first thing about successful people is for as much as the analytics, for much as, as much data as is out there, time and time again, successful people listen to their gut. Meaning if they feel this is the best thing to do, they are going to go for it. That I can remember a, a professional athlete, I can tell you, I, I can't share his name, but you know, he's still considered one of the top football players in the world right now. And I can remember he was deciding what type of strength coach to hire. And he hired somebody that nobody heard of. You know, people were sending him these big names and all these things, but he ended up hiring this guy that nobody heard of. And his agent was saying, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be hiring this guy. Like, we don't know anything about him. And he just said, listen, I trust him. I like what he said. It vibes with what I believe. I'm going for it. And it's obviously worked very well for him. But I think the most successful people are more in tune with what their gut instinct says, even if it's wrong. By the way, it's wrong. The question is, is like, do they continue to make those wrong decisions so that they make more and more right decisions over the long haul? That's let, one. Let me ask you, let me ask you a, I, want, I know you have a couple of points, but I want to make yeah, sure I, I, I a couple of questions. So you talked about sustainability. I have seen from my personal experience, and I am nowhere near the list of people you work with, right? But I have seen that uh, at least I, I'm, I track my productivity. I, I, I've seen my, it's like the stock market, right? There's mm -hmm. ups and downs. And what I've studied and what I've learned is that that is just human behavior, which is mm -hmm. the same thing that the stock market mimics. It is why there's ups and downs in the stock market. Right. You know, your up, ups and downs, long-term trajectory is going up, right? Mm -hmm. And I've seen it to me. There's some streaks, some months where I'm just extremely productive. And then there's some months where there's, I'm still working and there's still consistency. I'm still showing up, but it's not the same level. And so that is kind of like, do you, have, do you see that with people at those high levels as well? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Of human. Yes, we're all human. I, think the, I you know, the, right now on the ESPN, they're doing this uh, Michael Jordan documentary, yep. and and uh, I, I don't obviously I, I haven't watched it, so I don't want to like comment specifically. But I, I the, what people keep telling me is that you know he was just this incredible leader. There was a story about he took Dennis Rodman by the nose ring and brought him to where he wanted him to stand on the basketball court. You know that you know he was you know this incredible genius at, in the basketball field and leadership. And listen, super successful, super successful. But I think most documentaries that we love demonstrate the pitfalls, demonstrate the low times, demonstrate the struggles. Everybody that knows Michael Jordan's story also knows that he didn't make his high school basketball team his freshman year, right? We hear these stories and we hear these pieces, which I think really, you know, when we talk about sustainability, I think that's the second piece is that it really is a mindset of the long-term game, not just saying, Oh, I had a bad season. Like, I mean, like these athletes have bad seasons. CEOs have bad years. Coaches have bad years. Business owners have bad years. And as a result, what happens so often is we say, it's over. That's who I am. That's my life. But if you have this mindset of it's the blip on the trajectory of success, it's the blip on the trajectory of where I want to go. Yeah, we're human. 
But what successful people don't do is they don't let those blips define their trajectory time and time again. That's what they don't do well. Love it. I know you had a, I know, at least one more point. One more. I got one yeah. more. And this, I think this is going to be, this is going to be something that's going to, this goes against, I think, you know, I, listen, I'm saying this because I was, I remember I was being, I was a student that wanted to get A's, you know, I, I got my MBA, you know, I, I wanted to go through the schooling process and I, I had this mindset, but it wasn't until I actually made this shift that I ultimately won, not only saw more success professionally, but also, cause I, I didn't learn this until after I got out of school, but more importantly, I also saw found this to be more fulfilling way of moving forward for myself. I found this a more fulfilling way for my top, you know, clients to move forward. But it's that idea of letting go of perfection. I mean, we're constantly hearing people saying they want 100% effort. They want 100% an A plus. They want perfection. They want this to work perfectly. But once you actually stop and let go, the winning grade for most people is this, is that they do their one thing. They do their one thing so well and everything else they use to supplement it to make it better. So the way I think about this is, you know, I'm going to use sports because it's just such a simple thing is you think about, we'll use him. Why not? Tom Brady. Tom oh, Brady. I, just signed, about him. I know. <laughs> let's go for it. You're in, you're in Florida, right? Yeah. Okay, I, great. Let's do it. Yeah, he's in, he's in Florida, Tampa, right? Tampa Bay. He's the new quarterback down there. Okay, so let's talk about Tom Brady. I mean, if we compare him to all the other quarterbacks, there's actually one thing, and this is, this is not from me. I'm not a football coach, but this is what I've heard from football coaches time and time again, that Tom Brady does better than every quarterback out there, is that he is able to get to the line of scrimmage, know exactly what the defense is going to do, and he's able to line up his players and his teammates in position so that they're going to win. That's why I'm a Steelers fan, so it breaks my heart every time to say this because I can still see – Every game where like he goes back and he throws it to someone and they're like 20 yards wide open. I'm thinking to myself, how does he, how are they so wide open? I'm, I'm blaming the defense, but the reality is, is Tom Brady is a setting up that his team for them to say, listen, you're going to be open. I know you're going to be open. I know exactly what everybody's going to do. So you're going to be wide open. I don't think he has the strongest arm. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's clearly not the most mobile person. He clearly wasn't considered – he was a six-round draft pick. So from a talent perspective, they didn't see this talented, amazing individual that was going to join the NFL. But what he did was is he really – you know, he has all these health stuff. I get it. But what he's great at is diagnosing the defense and putting his team in position to win every single time. That's what he mastered, and that's what he excels in. Alex, did you read uh, – now I can't even oh, – from the book, Good to Great. Yes. Right. And they talk about that hedgehog concept. Yep. Is this the same thing? It's a lot of the same thing. Yes. I mean, yeah. every business and every student, you know, I think time and time again, and of course, you know, I think we should be well-rounded. I say this with leaders, you know, there's, there's, to me, there's these four archetypes of leaders, but at the end of the day, that's why I say it. Like you've got to know what leadership, it was this innate leadership strength that works well for you and really build your business around that, build your lifestyle around it. But then, build the other skills necessary build those other skills yeah i think it's interesting for the students that have never heard of that book or read that book it's, it's a really great book it talks about uh the study of why uh, i forgot the name of the author right now but um jim collins jim collins good uh from good to great 
and why this company just did exceptionally well versus other companies in the same industries. And one of the concepts was the headshot concept, which is companies did one thing really well. Um, and, and they doubled down on that. And I talk a lot about this in my mentoring program about how you are a brand and you are a business. And so it's finding your niche, your competitive advantage. And one thing that I, I think a lot about this because I have a weakness that is horrible. It's like, it's terrible. It's I can't, I, I suck at spelling and grammar. I, I don't know. How, I mean, I can make a million excuses. English is my second language. Uh, while everybody was learning grammar and spelling, I was just learning how to speak English. But the reality is I, I just, I just, I'm terrible. Right. And that's hurt me in my career, especially in the corporate America world, as I would send emails and there would be mistakes and there'd be spellers and there'd be grammar. And so I, I would tell you this, I had to understand what my strengths were and I have to be self-aware of what my weaknesses were and be able to surround myself with people that can help me with my weaknesses and improve my weaknesses to the point that it wouldn't be my Achilles heel. But my 80% of my time is focused on what I'm good at, right? This is why I don't write articles for, for anybody because I, I'm terrible, but I'll do a podcast because I can talk all day. <laughs> So I think, you know, for me and Alex, I don't know what you think about that strategy, but it's making sure that you're self-aware of what your weaknesses are and you build them to the point where they won't be, they won't be a detriment to your career, but then double down on your, on your, on your strengths. Yeah. I, and this is the analogy I always use with it. I couldn't, I mean, literally my born a lead model is based on this is that if you're a fish, you're meant to swim, you're not meant to fly. So why would you try to teach a fish how to swim? And if a fish is trying to fly, it doesn't have a mindset problem. It doesn't have a productivity problem. It doesn't even have a, you know, in business world, a marketing problem or a learning problem, right? It's a quote unquote, a fish out of water. The more that you continue to align your days, weeks, months, years, energy with what you're excellent at and and continue, FYI, to improve other areas of skill because I think that's where mental toughness comes in. But more importantly, as you said, get the support necessary for where you struggle. That to me also leads to, again, a more fulfilling life and also for you, right? I mean, because I probably for you, right? You've gotten better at speaking. You've gotten better at doing these podcasts and speaking. Like, it's not as if like, great, I'm a genius. I don't have anything to work on it. No, no, no. There's a lot to it there, which I think is what you're saying, which I love it. Love it. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of my favorite quotes, especially my favorite quote of 2020 that I've learned is um, Albert Einstein says, don't judge, a don't judge a fish by his ability to climb a tree. Yes. Love that. <laughs> love that. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it there. I, who said that? I, I forgot. Who Albert actually. Einstein. Yes, that's right. Good old. Um, and, he's, and he's good for a good quote. So if he said it, yeah. then, I mean, <laughs> got to be true. Alex, man, time has flied. It's actually been a little bit over 30 minutes, but I, I mean, our conversation was so great. I didn't want to cut it short, uh, but I do want to give the opportunity one last takeaway for the audience. And what is the best way for the audience to connect with you? Yeah, sure. So the, the best way for the audience to connect with me is you can find me on Instagram. It's Alex Kuhn, C-O. And I know my last name is not the easiest to spell sometimes, but that's spelled K-U-H-N. So Alex Kuhn, C-O on Instagram. You can also go to my website at alex-kuhn.com. I'm constantly, just like Daniel, listen, I know people talk about free value and free this and free that, but 
I think what happens, especially in my world, is that people you know, put out this stuff that is like free, but it feels like it's missing. And I learned this from my father and my uncle who were incredible business owners themselves is that regardless of someone is paying you zero or paying you a million dollars, you just give your best. So I constantly, whether you're ready to invest or not, I constantly want to make sure I show you the way of how to actually grow as a leader to ultimately build the business that you want. So you can check it out again on Instagram or at my website, alex-coom.com. And you know, one last piece of advice I would tell everybody, you know, I obviously I've got now this fish motif in my brain and we're talking about swimming and leadership, but I want to, maybe I'll give a, a different piece of advice. And that is, is I think when we actually decided what we were doing this podcast, you're like, what would you name the title of this show? And I, like when you were growing up and advice, you know, what would be the advice you would have given to your younger self? And you said it. And I said, at the time, the first thing that came to my mind was the advice of telling my younger self saying, Alex, you'll figure it out. And I always remember sharing this piece of advice. And, you know, when somebody's asked me something similar, because so often we think we have to know the answer today. We have to have it all figured out right now. It's just not reality, it's not possible, and as you've said perfectly, we are human. So give ourselves a space, Whether wherever you are in your life, just understand that you have the aptitude, attitude, and adaptability to figure it out. Love it. Alex, my friend, all, thank you so much. Um, everybody, I have his information on the show notes. You can go to his website, his Instagram will all be there. Alex, this has been an amazing episode. Thank you so much, my friend. And for everybody else listening, catch you guys on the next episode. All right, my friend, congratulations for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. In the age of short attention span, this speaks volumes of you. So now, if you found value in this episode, that I am sure you're going to find value in the Mastering College to Career Academy. So if you want to learn more a little bit about that academy, go to masteringcollegetocareer.com or just send me a message. And thank you so much for listening and catch you guys all on the next episode.